Futsal community, welcome back to Cara Futsal Podcast. Today is our first new Futsal in New Zealand podcast, number one, with a very special guest. Every guest that comes to the show brings something very unique, and today is not different. Today, I have the New Zealand head coach, Marvin Eakins. Marvin, thank you so much for accepting the invitation. No, thank you, Andre. I'm pretty excited to, to be on here and to talk some futsal. Uh, talking futsal is always fun, and you know I look forward to talking to you. I've heard good things about you. I never met you personally. We are here face to face online, but hopefully we meet personally one day soon. That uh, sounds good, Marvin. Uh, first of all, congratulations on everything that you've been doing and achieving with the New Zealand national team. Uh, not long ago, you just lost on penalties to Salomon Island in the OFC Grand Final. Uh, we're gonna get to that point, but before I want to know a little bit about Marvin, who who Marvin is. Uh, where were you where you were born and where you grew up and can you just tell me a little bit about your upbringing please yeah so i was um i was born in the, the philippines um and moved to new zealand pretty quickly um so, so i've been in auckland my whole life and i guess that's where my um my love for for the game the round ball started um i guess the difference with me to some of your previous guests is that I didn't know anything about futsal. Everything was more football through um, through my dad's influence, um, and that could be a reflection on how futsal was maybe in New Zealand. But played so a lot mom, of football. Mom Filipina and dad uh, New Zealand is that correct? Uh, my dad is Irish, so it's a, a real um, yeah, yeah. So a real New Zealand mix. Lots of cultures over here, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's a good mix. Yeah. Sure. So that's yeah, the Irish side is where I got the um, the football the football genes, and yes, yeah, so I played decent level football kind of throughout um, and I only had a little bit of a dabble with futsal in a, a one-off tournament would have been about 10 11 years old uh, that was when the ball was still the um, the heavy ball um, and yeah, yeah found, found it pretty hard actually I didn't I didn't really enjoy it um, did you much. like and did you like the heavy ball or you found it be a win this time I felt I was already quite a small kid and I didn't have the technique to, to kick the ball well. So every time I tried to shoot or anything like that, I just didn't understand to, how to make the ball move quickly. So <laughs> I found it pretty hard. Uh, but that was my first. And it was probably, to me, it was just playing indoor and it was just a tournament. I didn't really know what I was what I was doing. Uh, but any chance to, to play was fun. Um, and, then, and then what happened? How, how did you go in the tournament? And what happened after that? Uh, I, can't, I think we did okay in the tournament. Um, don't remember too much about it. Um, and then just sort of disappeared back into to the football world. I, I had the dream of being a like a professional football player, play for my country, uh, all of those kind of aspirations that I think most kids uh, kind of have. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed playing the game. I enjoyed the ball, um, and that's kind of led me to good stead throughout throughout my teenage years. I made some some okay teams, did okay with some some football stuff, and just continued playing a lot of football. Um, and only stopped fairly recently in the last few years. Um, but I think, yeah, the, it wasn't until I turned um, 20 was the first time I, I played futsal again. Uh, and that was uh, just in a social men's competition. So until you were 20, you didn't play that much futsal apart from the, from the only tournament, did you? That's it. So I, to be, you could say I had never played futsal, even though I'd played in that, that game. All right, I'll, well, I'll put you on this spot straight away, Marvin. Sorry for that. I have to ask, uh, do you regret not playing football growing up or do you think that if you, if you, if you could go, go back in the past and do it again, do you think that you would have played more football? Yeah, uh, I, I see 
even within my game, um, I have a lot of limitations to what I can do. Mm-hmm. And I look at the kids now that were 10, 11, or 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and the ability they have on the ball um, compared to what I have um, in my prime um, is pretty embarrassing. Um, so, yeah, I missed out on a lot of good development development opportunities to be confident on the ball. I didn't have any flair. Couldn't take players on very well. So, yeah, I lost out on a lot of, a lot of that. Um, so I really do wish I had played a lot more futsal growing up. And Marvin, uh, is that that is that one of the reasons why you ended up uh, studying more about the game and getting into coaching? Did you feel that you were not one of the most talented players and had to learn a bit more uh, the other side of the game? When I first started playing, I think I just enjoyed scoring goals. So just to, to that, which was something I wasn't doing in the football um, field. Um, yeah. And then from there, I kind of just got a lot more interested in the game. I had some really cool people that sort of brought me along. Um, Bucker Al Saudi, um, who's actually over in Melbourne. He's um, He was a huge influence in me kind of understanding the game, I think. A good story. I've been, I've, been, I, I've been meaning to meet him for so long, and I haven't actually met him. He's um, yeah. He gave me the. Res- I didn't respect the game when I first played it. I just thought it was a bunch of people that couldn't play football. Um, and then the first time I'd heard about Bucker, and I was like, oh, this guy can't be that good. Went in to try and um, crunch him in a tackle, and before I knew it, the ball was through my legs. Um, <laughs> then a toe poke, top corner. So I learnt. Okay, there's a bit more to this game than than what I thought. So yeah, so he was a. Uh, a key part, um, but I didn't. I didn't know anything, um, and I think the cool thing is people like him. And I had some actually. I had some bad coaches, but I also had some really, really good coaches in the early, early days of my career. So um, that helped. All right. So let, let's go back to this start today. So when you were twenty, you play. You said that you played for East uh, East City East City Futsal Club. Is that correct? Yeah, East City, which is it's the only futsal club, official futsal club in um, in New Zealand. It's been around for over 30 years now. Well, sorry, uh, what do you mean with the only official club in New Zealand? Well, the- well that's, a, yeah, I guess New Zealand is funny. So there's no futsal clubs except for East City. All the other um, teams are either run by the federations mm-hmm. or they're just social teams where you enter a competition. So you're not a club as such. Um, uh-huh. So it's where East City are an actual incorporated society. They're, they've got st- club structure uh all they do is futsal does that reflect also the trophies that they have the most trophies in new zealand as well they're yeah they're the, definitely the, the proudest club um they they've without um east city it would have been interesting to see how the game the game might have not um kicked on to what it is now um and the people that were there at the start are still there now uh, which is awesome um and they've been a huge part of uh, futsal growing, not even in Auckland, just across the, the whole country. Uh-huh. What, what are some of the names involved in, in your city for, for the community to know? Uh, so I think the, the legend that everyone will know within New Zealand is Barbara Gulliam. Um, so she she still drives East City now, but she was a big part of even the, the previous national teams. Um, so East City used to actually deliver the national teams on behalf of New Zealand football. Um, oh really? And she she was a big part of that, and she was one of the early influences that um, helped me stay in the game when there were a few challenges where I could have uh, moved away from the game. But she was a big part of keeping me involved. No, that's good to know. Actually, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Is uh, so going going back there. Let's go back again. So from your twenties until 
your first play for the All Whites? What happened? What, what tournaments did you used to play at that time? So back then there was a there was East City and they delivered leagues. So I guess you could compare them in a, a small way to uh, Futsal Was and the fact that they were running everything that you could do. So you would mm -hmm. play once a week. Um, back then, I don't think it was full court. It was a community-sized court and you would, no training, you just turn up and play. Um, and that would have been the best competition. Uh -huh. it, it is, uh, but it had the best players, I guess, playing in it as well, but it didn't have coaching. It didn't have other things that should be with a, a high quality league. Um, mm -hmm. And from that, they had little tournaments where they would play other areas in the country. I think you would have, back then, I think my first tournament was, I made the second East City team. Um, and there was a team that came over from the Solomons. This was before the, the golden generation um, that were involved. And they used to run some tournaments like that, which was a pretty, pretty cool experience. But it wasn't um, until 2008 was when um, I first got involved with the national team, which was back then it was a trial process um, and a little and a little bit of if you could afford to play as well, sadly. So, so, so I, some players had to find their way in as well, just yeah, fund themselves. That's it. Like I, I had enough money at the time just to, to be involved and um, with the support of others. And yeah, I guess the timing of that, based off my ability at the time, got me in the team. And I guess I haven't let it go since. Um, but if I was to do the same thing now, I would be nowhere near uh, that national team set up based off the players that are around. But uh, the, the, when was uh, the first time the New Zealand national team had a team? Was that around the same time? So they've, the history books show that there was a team in the 90s, early 90s, uh, which was, if you look at the names, they're all just, I think they've just pulled them together. They're good footballers and they've thrown them in a tournament. Um, yeah. But after that, there was, there was a good group after that through led mostly by East City. I think 2004 um, was when Bucker was kind of in his prime um, or early prime and they lost to Australia in the qualifiers because Australia was still in the Oceania be, yeah. um, region then. Yeah, so that was that. And then 2008 is when I came in. Um, and funnily enough, my first game was against Australia. Uh, we went over for uh, for a week or so uh, in preparation for the qualifiers. Uh, we played at Dural. Um, and that was a cool time, but we got taught a lesson. And again, my journey in learning <laughs> the game was, yeah, I, did, I wasn't prepared for what international futsal certainly was. I think we lost 11-2 or, or something like that. Um, but it was a bit of a shock to, to how the game could be played. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, since, since then, uh, New Zealand has improved a lot. With the, tri with the tryouts for the national team and uh, players funding themselves at that time, I still think that that's a personal opinion, okay? I want to see if you agree with me or not. And feel free to disagree if you want to disagree. I'm more than happy. But uh, at least you guys had a team. At least you had a team that you could go play. And, uh, and also, the opportunity was there. The pathway was there. At the moment, in many countries like Australia and England, there is no national team for, for the main team. So even if, uh, if right now there could be a tryout system in these countries and players have to, have to fund themselves, I think they would, they would fund themselves. Do, back then, do, do you think that there was a bad thing that you guys were charged to cover yourselves? Or looking back, you think that you guys should, should not be paying? Um, I think it's just part of every process, right, of every journey. Someone... 
some players have to do the hard yards, some coaches, whoever else, like before me, people were paying. I was just the last kind of generation of it. It's good to remind people, I use it now to remind people how much money uh, we used to spend on the game when they complain about a ball being flat or something like that. It's always nice to put a bit of perspective (laughs) to what people have done before them. But I think it's cool that it has shifted because um, I think that just adds to the experience of being part of a national team and feeling like you are um, part of New Zealand football, uh, where back then you knew you weren't, you knew you were on the outside. You knew you felt very amateur. Uh, You Uh felt like if you didn't have enough money for a good lunch, like that was a problem. Like there were lots of things that made it hard, but you got to play for your country and you got to play against some pretty awesome players and get the experiences that, I mean, yeah, you can go on holiday and sit on the beach for two weeks, but, I'd rather play futsal. And, nothing, nothing um, beats like a, a, a nothing beats a futsal trip, does it? That's it. The uh, the fun times, and you'll know, like the the times with the lads and and out on the court, off the court. Yeah, that that's the the best stuff, and that's the stuff I'll miss. Um, and what has playing. been some of your highlights uh, at a club level before you play for the All Whites? Uh, so most of my highlights have come in during the same time. So we've won a lot of through East City, and then later on through Auckland Football. Um, and most recently, Auckland City last year. Uh, we've won, I've been fortunate to win five uh, national titles um, since the National League's been in. Um, and that's been a pretty cool journey to see how that's got better and better as far as just the competition itself and also just the quality of players. Um, I guess the most meaningful for me was actually the last one because I knew that would be my last last game last year at that level and to, to get the win. And that was kind of special for me. Um, and probably if I had to try, if I tried to hang on any longer, um, it would have been, I, I wouldn't have liked to deal with these 15, 16 year olds that are coming through, um, because they would have been targeting me. That's for sure. So yeah. So some pretty cool club memories. You played your last tournament and you were champions. And last week I interviewed Raoni from England in his last tournament, he was champions of England as well. So it's very, it's, uh, I, I have to come back <laughs> up next week. I have to find someone that just won his last title. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so no, very. It was very, it's been a cool time. I've had a good time. That's that's really good to hear. The the national league in New Zealand, from from when we see here in Australia, looks very professional. So they they have live streams. They it, it looks like a good setup. But can you just explain how many teams are in the league, men's, women's, uh, how long the season goes for? Yeah. So the the format that the um, the Super League that they call it um, has eight uh, teams. Uh, men's and women's uh, that's the idea um, and it runs over sort of weekends so you'll play three or four games over a Saturday Sunday uh, double round robin um, so two games a day kind of situation and then if you if you're fortunate to make it to the finals um, you play six games over three days so it's, um, it's pretty intensive um, in the women's that's in the men's in the women's it's been a, a bit of a disgrace if I'm honest uh, they've mm-hmm. had um, a three-day tournament and that's been their futsal for the year so they play their six seven games um, and that's it we've just shifted that now so that it mirrors the men um, starting next year so they'll play the same format um, it's it, I'm glad you think it, it looks good because the the product I think looks good like the live stream I um, think it's very important um, and it, it's good for, for many reasons for the players for the coaches for people wanting to watch uh, just general exposure of the game um, but there are I've 
I work for New Zealand football as well, but um, there are a lot of things that I don't like about the the Super League. It's um, playing six games over three days is just madness, and that's half the reason I've retired is because I can't do that anymore. My body can't handle yeah. it. It only goes over seven, eight weeks, so you play sixteen games over seven, eight weeks. Um, uh-huh. If you chuck in chuck in a preseason of three, four weeks, if you're lucky. So if you do the maths, we're doing 11, 12 weeks of futsal with training um, a year. So that is, is not an. Is there? That's not enough, is it? No. Uh, is there plans to to um, extend the, the league over 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 more weekends or how, yeah. how is the so, process going right now? So they're constantly reviewing the competition and, and with everything, it's it's not as easy as what I want. I wish for me a good situation is even just a 16-week league. Maybe you play two games every two weeks and um, at least you get some time to do some coaching. You can recover injuries, all of that stuff between games and it'll just be a yeah. higher standard of futsal. Um, but it, it, it's the sustainability of the game. So it's the money, the money side. I, I, I know you guys have talked a lot about some futsal uh, ways that futsal is delivered in Australia and money mm-hmm. is, a, is a big part of how that can happen um, and like I said before so the federations are delivering the teams so it's coming out of the federation's pocket or the players pockets to be involved okay. um, some mm-hmm. federation, some federations cover all the costs, others ask for a little bit from the players um, but that's generally how it works so for us to extend the league, it's just more money. That's pretty much the... And uh, when you say that federations cover the costs, the state federations, ha- they have a team in that state and they, and they fund the team. Is that how, how it works? So, so each team, it's a regional, so it's a, a national league with, with the state teams, So if, to use your terminology. So um, each, there's seven federations or six now in New Zealand. So each team, each federation has a team. Some have two if they're a big, a big space. So that's how it, mm. that's how it works. Um, so that's what I mean about there's no clubs. It's because the federations deliver their, this level of um, team. But then each city plays as its city or plays as its, uh, its region, the region they delocated? So each city originally played as the representative of the Auckland region, um, but now the federation has taken over that team. Um, funnily enough, the federation is the one that I work for. We're looking at how we can actually give it back to the clubs and that's where we Auckland City involved last time so they delivered it uh, we just supported and mm-hmm. I think that will be a cool model going forward so it could be East City and Auckland City or any other clubs that want to want to get involved uh, but that's just speaking for the Auckland region um, the other regions might still want to deliver through the Federation yeah it's interesting because it's a it's a really it's a state national league isn't it it's not clubs so that's they, right yeah yeah uh, That's right, and that... if, if the because we have the OFC championships, club championships as well, and if you know we all want the um, the world club championships, that would be the the dream, right? Uh, to to have that, and I know uh, there's the AFC club championships, so it's it's something that I think we have to be careful of in New Zealand, like how if we don't have clubs, then how can we go? To anything further. That, that's, so, that was my next question. So, there, does the win of the the national state go go play in the UFC tournament? They do. So, there's been one so far, and the Auckland team. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we went. Um, so it was okay. But if there was something beyond that, it would be interesting to see what what the story would be there. So, 
So it's, some, it's something in the future that it'll yeah, be interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they, these players play three months a year. What, are they, do they play soccer in the, in the, on the other parts of the year, or what do they do, these players? Yeah, so most of them do play do play football through the winter and then straight after is kind of the, the football season. Um, it's, it's a bit of a battle. So even with the national team, trying to mix or work with football clubs and players and trying to balance their commitments with what they do um, can be a juggle. And when you're trying to make sure the player isn't getting injured and all sorts, we, we need to make sure that we're looking after the player. Never mind, I think you should play football or futsal. It uh, should be the player at the front of all of that. But it's, it is, and I understand it because I did it as well. You do it to keep yourself fit. You do it because you want a decent standard. Yeah, you need, you need to keep on playing, really. Yeah, and you're not getting as much as turning up and playing on a on a um, social night is good. I still think that's really good to do. Um, yeah. You're not getting the training week in, week out. Um, so I think it's important, but what we're getting now is we've we've had a shift maybe in the last couple of years where players are just playing futsal. Um, and that's if they're training themselves, they're getting together, they're doing all this stuff. Um, and it's been really exciting to kind of watch that evolve naturally. So it hasn't had anyone mm -hmm. driving that. And it's just the players themselves have gone, well, we want to be better. We want to be pro. We want to go to a World Cup. How can we get yeah. there? Um, no one's going to help us. Let's do it ourselves. And I think that's, that's pretty impressive. And um, it's good to see. Uh, and that's, we just need now to, to match that and go, all right, here's a chance to play nine months of the year. Um, and that's yeah. what I, that's what I would want to see in the next kind of five years. I like to see the ability. If you want to play futsal, you can just play futsal. For yeah, for so for the players that want to play futsal in the off season, the, is there social leagues, uh, any, any private centers running futsal leagues? There any options at all for these players? Yeah, so you can generally play all year round. Um, on a Monday night, you can you can kick about. It's a in Auckland. There's a full court league on a Monday night. So that's quite cool. We get two referees. So, so there's some good, some good stuff. Games are kind of like 30 minutes long. So it's quite yeah. short. It's yeah, but you can still play. Um, it's not, you can't play every day, the, uh, every day of the week. Uh, you could probably play maybe once or twice a week if you're really keen. Uh, but there isn't enough activity where you could pick up a, a game every, every day, which would be awesome if you could do that. Yeah, in my mind, I'm already just thinking, how can we make them play an uh, awful season? I, I, want, I want to help them. I want to gain votes. Just get you excited. Uh, yeah. Mar Marvin, what about the women's side of the game and the juniors? Uh, because um, I have seen a few times photos of the women's national league. I, I think you coached the women's national team a couple of times, didn't you? Or once? Uh, I've, I've been involved with the Auckland team. Um, not the, the national team. Um, okay. So my my good friend, Nick Downs, he coaches a women's team um, and he has had me as his assistant at times for when he coaches the Auckland team as well. Um, so I know the players, a lot of them are from the Auckland region, have been playing futsal for a while. It's been tough for these, um, for these players. Um, there's a group of them that have been playing with boys their, their whole life. Uh, they're now in the national team and they're, they're slowly starting to see the reward of all the, the hard work that they've they've done um, yeah. but the competition hasn't been there um, for us to run a like the national league if i can be blunt there's three good teams you get two good games maybe three good games and that's it yeah. for your year that's not enough to to do it i mean 
and from that we've got to pick a national team and be prepared for any internationals that may or may not um, come up so it's pretty awesome we've got this national team um, and they do do trainings throughout the year which i think is important to keep the group together the hard yeah. part for us with the guys and with the women is who do we play we've got no one it's very hard to we we do get invites um a lot but we can't get to where we want to go we can't get to europe it's not easy uh, it was fortunate for the women they got to go to china um a couple of years ago uh which yeah. was awesome and they got to play some pretty cool competitive games and to see where they're at and the exciting thing with the women's is same with the football is that they're not that far off if they could get regular games and there was a world cup for the women i think new zealand would uh, be able with the right program in place the more competitive games would be um, really really competitive more so than the men's yeah talent wise uh australia and new zealand they have really good women's players don't they they yeah they, they do and they've all um wise and talent I, yeah, and they're all good footballers as well, so even more so. So what you'll find is that a lot of the women players will do both when they're teenagers, and then we'll, we'll pick them up for futsal. They'll do football as well. If they make a football team or go get a scholarship, they'll go and do football, which is awesome. There's not really a career yet for, for futsal, I guess, in that space. So they do they're very, it's, so it's cool that they're really good footballers, but it's also a challenge because there's only so many women football and futsal players in New Zealand and they're getting pulled yeah. in all different directions. So it's, and without a world cup and without a something to, to entice people to just really focus on futsal, there, there's challenges in there, but yet there are still players that just play futsal in the women's and they do whatever they can. They'll play in the men's competitions. They'll do anything they can to be better and just be ready um, for whatever is around the corner. Hopefully a world cup in a, in a few yeah, years. Hopefully, yeah, uh, I, I think that the Women's World Cup will happen, will happen in the next two or three years. I think there is a big pressure on what happen in the Women's World Cup. Yeah. It has to happen. FIFA has to has to provide a, a, a World Cup for women. They, they deserve it, don't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. Marva, you missed a big part of your growing up playing futsal, but the kids nowadays, what, what do they have? It's pretty cool now uh, what the kids can do. So I guess... What I didn't have was access to the game. You know, I had to find it myself and, and find a way to play when I was young, and that would have been hard. Yeah. Now everyone knows generally what, foot, what futsal is. It's in the schools. Uh, there's big tournaments. Um, there's when huge it, sorry, numbers. When it's in the schools, uh, is there school, to school titles that they can play? Or it's, it's in the curriculum for the... Uh, there's been some of that, so some of the curriculum work where we go and deliver into schools, but more so around there's lots of school, primary school teams will go and play in competitions. Um, and there, there, is a, there isn't a nationals as such, but there's some big tournaments um, in that age group. And I guess the biggest growth we've had is in the youth space, the teenagers. Um, and that's probably the numbers that always pops up, like 300% growth and all these huge huge things because it's really cool in the, in the high school space there's a lot of passion everyone wants to do really well um, yeah. and there and, and I guess the exciting thing about what it does is I, I'm sure this is true around the world but what we have is when people turn 13 14 they stop playing sports because of life and, and other things what futsal has done is show on that you can keep kids engaged in sport um, yeah. and they forget about the other distractions and everything like that and they can keep playing and then you know the benefits I know the benefits is if you keep playing sport it's only good for you as a, as a person. So futsal's kind of broken that mold 
while every other sport's kind of declining, maybe minus basketball, yeah. futsal was, has been growing in that space. And the ones that want to take it a bit more seriously, uh, are there any academies that provide a good, uh, strong futsal programs or any strong leagues that they can play? Because I tell you what, I, I no longer go. The last two years, I met two New Zealand players, Hamish and, and Jake Bissini. And they are great. They have great futsal technique. So they they clearly have been playing futsal growing up somewhere. They have they have received some good coaching. So the ones that want to take more seriously, where can they go? Yeah. So there's generally in each area there's some key people that are doing some coaching. Um, so there's some really good academies in Wellington. So Samba Futsal, I'll, I'll give them a little shout out. Uh, and Rico there is doing some awesome stuff um, with with the kids all the way through. Um, and now in the in the bigger regions, so in, in Hamilton, there's a couple of really key academies where we get a lot of futsal wipes come through um, that space now in Hamilton. So there's some, some good coaching. And I guess it's all, um, I, I heard this name sort of used in a couple of the other podcasts and it's kind of, we've really, New Zealand hasn't had any knowledge in futsal. Uh, we've been really reliant on people coming into New Zealand and providing knowledge. Um, so we've been fortunate that people always travel. So we get, yes, yes mattering of Brazilians and stuff that come over here and play. Uh, but I guess what kind of changed the game a bit in New Zealand was when um, Scott Gilligan became the, the coach of the national team. Um, and I guess he became a bit more than that because he drove futsal and how futsal should be played and futsal technique um, throughout the country. And you could come down and watch a junior game or a youth game and you'll see, oh, that's something that Scott, because everyone's just grabbed it and now we've all coached exactly what he's kind of that's showed so us um, yeah. and that's what ha people like Hamish he's been playing he's one of the ones that has, has been playing a long time and he's had some really good coaches along the way and now he's got that focus same as Jake they're just so keen to to focus in on, on futsal and, and learn about the game um, so they're they're a little bit self-driven those players yeah yeah but, they are. but there is opportunities there is opportunities out there uh, uh, but you, sometimes you have to go looking for them and you also have to fight the age-old battle of what football thinks you should and shouldn't be doing and what coaches are suggesting is good or not good for a, a, yeah. a talented player and that's I think that's a challenge we all have um, with football deciding that futsal wasn't a good avenue um, but yeah, yeah that's probably a full podcast on itself. Ah, for sure it is uh, but look <laughs> I always say that I love football. Uh, I'm, I'm a futsal person. I don't mind football. I love watching the futsal players that used to play futsal now playing football. So I love watching Neymar, Messi. They're the guys I love watching. But yeah. Marvin, uh, when you start playing for the national team, and what, how was the transition from playing to coaching? Because you, you, for a long time, you were the head coach and also the player. How did that work? It was really hard, if I'm honest, and I think I've been, um, there was a few things I had to really think about, and I was just glad New Zealand football gave me the opportunity to, to do this. Um, I guess, in a way, it was kind of thrust upon me. So after we didn't qualify in 2016, um, Scott's contract was up, and we still had a little bit of activity that we wanted to take over, so I was captain. So I, they kind of said, hey, Marv, can you do this? I said, of course, I'll do whatever. And before I know it, we've got a three-match series against um, New Caledonia, I'm, I'm kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah, of course you can hit, um, play, play a coach that. I'm going, oh, okay, we'll, we'll see see how it goes. Um, but I guess what I knew pretty early on was that I needed a really good assistant coach um, mm -hmm. because when you're out on the court, I think 
I mean, it's you should not have a player coach. No, I don't know. Futsal is so hard. fast. Yeah. It's so fast. You you the cool thing about futsal is you can make a difference as a coach as compared to maybe football where you know you you do a sub at half time, sixty minutes, you put the young guy on with two minutes to go. Where in futsal every opportunity you can change the game. Um, and I think that's what makes it so so exciting as a coach. And if you're playing, it's very hard to do that. And if you're tired and playing, it's extremely hard to do that. So I was very <laughs> lucky to have a good assistant coach in Enrico. Um, and we work really, really well together. And I guess he supported me through that because he believed that I should still be still be playing. And if, I, I was pretty honest as well because these guys I'd been into war with, they, they were my teammates. These are some of my best friends. And I moved into now I'm your coach. And I decide, it's a lot of power. I decide whether you play or not. Um, and that's hard on me. That's hard on the players as well. And that's not, you want your environment to be at, you know, 99% so that you can do well. And you don't want a silly reason or a personal reason to be why the team doesn't do well. So I've had to be very honest from the start. I did things like a survey with a, play, a blind survey. They could just be honest, no names to it. And just be like, if you don't want me to play, I won't play. So I've had to, to do it. I've had to have my staff around me go because I'm a, always been one of the players. I enjoy the banter. I enjoy the jokes. Yes. I like being around the lads. I've had to have my staff go, hey, Marv, you're not a player anymore. Get yourself out of there. You know, you're getting a bit a bit too friendly. So it's been, it's been yeah, horrible it's so, at times. so many things that you, you, can't, you can't be involved, really. Yeah. And, and even the players, they, they, they need... So how did that work? The players need a time to to beg about to beg the coach, but you were one of the players. Were they ever yeah, begging so I, in front of you? Um, it was. We always had the rule. If I was on the court, once I'd crossed that line, I'm just like any other player. If I'm not tracking back, you let me know. Uh, fortunately, I always track back, Andre. Um, it's to, the other you way. Had, you had to lead, lead by example, didn't you? That's it. I had to, and in the early days, I was able to do that. I thought quite well. Um, and as I got towards the end of my career, I could see that this was getting harder and harder, but I knew my experience. People might disagree with us, um, of course, and they've all got their opinion and that's fine. But at yeah. the time I believed and, and Enrico and I believed that I was still important to trying to get us to the, to the world cup. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was a, a hard and I still, now I'm still friends with a lot of these guys and I still, and they might watch or, or might not, but I've been pretty honest. I hope, well, I hope they think so, um, to, to know that I've always put the team first. Um, and if I shouldn't be playing, I knew that I was going to be able to make that call or mm -hmm. have this people around me to say, hey, it's time, like the team comes first. So I think it's it's been a cool way to see the game. I was just lucky that what made me a fairly decent futsal player was my ability to organise and my ability mm -hmm. to lead. So I was kind of doing that on the court anyway. It was just kind of a bit of an extension. Yeah to the more tactical side of it um, around how the team plays. And I'd always kind of had ideas around how I think football should be played. So when the opportunity came up, you don't mm -hmm. get that opportunity very often. Um, so I guess if I had been put in the position by New Zealand football, if they had said you have to either play or you have to coach, I would have really, it would have been a really hard decision for me to make at the time. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think... I think if we had a qualified for the World Cup, it would have been very hard for me to be part of as much as I've I've failed four times to get to the World Cup. Um, this could and have just been coach it. And not play. 
if that's that's it. If I can get the team to to the World Cup as a coach, then that's that's awesome because I don't want anyone else to have to go through all the heartbreak that I've <laughs> that I've had to oh, go yeah. through, or some of them already have. So, so yeah, it's um it's been it's been hard, but now I can really focus in on on that side of it, on the coaching side of it, because what I guess fell away was once you start coaching and the training sessions and everything like that, you're just doing less playing. And the less mm-hmm. playing you do, I think you lose a little bit of the fitness. You have to do the extras. Yeah. Family, everything gets a bit harder when you're not uh, keeping up with the guys. You've got to be careful around. Um, I can be quite um, angry and things like that. I can push buttons, but I have to be careful around some of those things that where as a player I would have just done. So there's lots of, mm-hmm. I guess it's helped me think about the game differently. But if someone said to me now, should I be a player coach? I would say no. <laughs> just play. If you can still play, yeah, just play. I, I, be... I personally, I, I, I would love to actually go back now and watch a, a couple of your full matches and just to analyze you, you as a, how you were dealing with that. <laughs> so interesting. And I would love to actually have a microphone like on you and just see what you're saying during the game and all these things. Uh, Marvin, <laughs> you, you have mentioned Scott Gilligan, uh, that he was a big person in New Zealand. But uh, was there any mentor for you, someone that helped you coaching-wise, helped you become a coach or someone that guide you, uh, look, this is the way that someone they even look up to, this is the way they should be playing futsal. And you try to follow uh, their model. So we in, in 2008, when I first made the team, uh, eventually we went through a couple of coaches, but we landed on three weeks before the qualifiers, um, Erkin Osman. Um, so I guess some of your um, Australian listeners will know Erkin. I think he was part of the Australian team in the, in the yeah. glory days of professionalism and, and all of that. Um, and he was a, a really, I really took to his style of, of futsal in the time that we had with him. And also he, he probably would have still made our team back then. Um, he was, he was that good. Um, but he, what he taught me was that the foundation is important and defense, um, can win you games and then the rest Mm -hmm. might come a little bit later. So I guess. You don't have to ask many players that I've coached, but there's always a big focus on how we defend first and then yeah. the, the sexy stuff and how we attack comes a little bit later on. For some players, it's too much later on. Um, but I like to think every team I've played in and coached has a, a really good defence. Um, and maybe it's easier to coach as well at times when, when we don't, um, for a while there, the players we had weren't very technical. So it's hard to use the yeah, ball. Yeah, that's when what you it could. That's what it could work on. Yeah. Yeah. So but now it, it's very different. Yeah, but even in this last World Cup, it, it showed that not that many goals were scoring positional attacks. Most goals were scoring actually strategy and, and again counter attacks. It was uh, defensive plays a big part of the game. Not many goals actually scored during the game. Yeah, and it's it's a tricky one because in New Zealand we we only play so many internationals. So we play, we're, if we're lucky, we get to play Russia, China, um, Vietnam. And if we're honest, we're doing a lot of defending in those moments. We played Australia for about three, four years in a row in a three-match series every year. Um, if we're honest, we were doing a lot of defending during that time. But when we go to the qualifiers, it's different because teams back off, back off us and then all of a sudden we've got a lot of the ball. So we've so had a lot of challenges around what we do with it. The, the last UFC, you guys had a very good tournament, nearly qualified to the World Cup, lost some penalties. Penalties, everyone, they say that it's uh, 
you you should deserve it to win. I I, I believe that it's a big part of luck. Penalty is, is still luck. Both teams are training, so I think the luck is still what decides penalties. In my opinion, that's a personal opinion. But how was the preparation for the tournament, and what do you try to prioritize as a coach for the tournament? So we were we were lucky to have a bit more funding to support the team, more than Scott would have had um, in his time. Um, and we were able to build a regional training um, centres around the country. So we had three. We had one in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. And we would go, myself and Enrico would go around and we would do coaching um, and all those centres. So we had kind of around 60-odd players that we were that we were looking at and working with. And the idea was rather than just doing camps, which is what we'd previously done, was to try and spread out the sessions more so you could help with that learning so you don't get have to learn everything at once. So it's kind of let's reinforce yeah. a few ideas by spreading the training out and still having camps when, when necessary. So we were fortunate to do that and it gave us a player pool of which we could then pick from. Um, and so we had a couple of camps. Um, we had a, the playing against China, Russia, Vietnam. I mean, that's kind of preparation. That's great. I guess yeah. the hard part is um, playing against the, the island nations is I feel it's hard to see other international teams that play the same style of futsal. They've got a lot of flair, skill, strength, speed, all these amazing attributes. Um, and the unpredictability is just really challenging um, to play against. Um, so that's something we've always found hard is we train one way and then we come up against something that's very yeah. different. We don't get to play against them enough to learn how other teams play. So, yeah, we, we, had a, we had a good preparation. It was probably the best preparation as far as time on the court um, we've had. Uh, we focused, I said, a lot on defence, and I think it was pretty obvious that the way that we defended, I don't think it's a secret, um, was to allow for us to cover each other when we were getting taken one to avoid one-on-one -on -one battles individual battles mm -hmm. because they're very very skillful um, yeah, players and we needed to be able to counter that with um, good solid lines of defense um, so I think that that worked well we actually got to use that defense against a few countries and it it was uh, I think it surprised a few people they didn't quite know how to break it down um, until they had seen a little bit more of it so it was quite a cool uh, cool to see that come out in the qualifiers and go well but that yeah the qualifiers was I think it's the best one I've, I've been a part of. Um, just the quality of the teams and I guess the, the quality of coaching that's gone with that with Giuliano uh, was obviously coaching New Caledonia at the time. Tahiti was very strong. We only we came from behind in the semi-final um, to yeah. beat them. Um, and then knowing that we had the, the Solomons in the, in the final was always going to be an awesome battle. And one of my pet peeves is we never get to play the Solomons. We never... Uh, they, no fault of their own, their program in the past has, they qualify for a World Cup, they go to the yeah. World Cup and then they must, they can't do anything else. And then they come again, come alive again and and that's hard for them, but it's also hard for us to get more time playing. It's been working them. for them, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they've, um, like I've unfortunately been part of playing against that golden generation um, this yeah. whole time. Um, and my, my first, in 2008, the first game we had was against Solomon Islands in Fiji. And I w I'll never forget it because I thought, oh, we're in Fiji, we're playing the Solomons. We've heard they were very good. I think they played Australia in a couple of matches leading in. Um, 
again, I had that little bit of arrogance of, oh, we're New Zealand, we should be okay. Um, yeah. And then turn up and there's 5,000 people in the stadium, Solomons, you can't hear anything. The best supporters, you know, like they're so loud, everything, any step over, they go crazy. And then you've got Elliot cutting in on his right, left, banging shots. And I'm going, Jesus, this isn't, <laughs> isn't what I thought I had signed up for. Um, but it also reinforced for me that this is where I want to be because that was playing in front of 5,000 hostile crowd, um, defending some of the, the best attacking players. Uh, I'd say that they've proven themselves on the world stage. They've scored goals in every competition they've played in. Uh, yeah. And going, okay, this is international futsal and this is, I need to be a part of this a little bit longer um, and go from there. So Marvin, it's been, yeah. In this last World Cup, uh, we saw Salomon Islands uh, having a tough first match, but after the first match, they improved through the tournament. They're getting some international experience that you guys are not getting. Uh, they experience that. What, what's missing for you guys to, to get a spot that, for the World Cup? And, and before you answer, I say, I really wish there were two spots from your, from OFC from, from this point because uh, they're the only ones getting the experience. So until you guys beat them, they're going to keep on getting. Yeah, yeah. And they've, um, and they've deserved like, the opportunities they've got. And obviously, yeah. Finney did a, a great job um, with the team. And he was very obvious. Um, you know, he, he, he knew how hard we'd worked and how close uh, we would come there. Um, yeah. But it's, I think... It is. It kind of stems from that. Again, you can't replicate a World Cup. You can't replicate the training yeah, or the the matches yeah. you get before a World Cup, and then the exposure you get invited to events after going to a World Cup, and then we yeah we we don't get that opportunity. We're we're fortunate we get invited to some things. It's a I hate saying it, but it's a limited budget. It's probably more than a lots of other countries have but for us to go anywhere it costs a lot a lot of money probably even more yeah. in the future now um i think it was hard when australia stopped having a, a regular national team because playing australia every year was hard because we never beat them yeah. but in the very last game we played against them uh it was two all until um Fogarty scored with about 30 seconds um yeah 30 seconds left so that we got to a stage where we're going from seven nil to you know, to all, and that can only improve how we play. Yeah. So I think every international team, every high-level team always talks about it's just games. If you're not playing games and you can't replicate that pressure, because it's all very well winning the, the, the National League in your country, but it's not the pressure of going, if I don't do well here, if I don't track my defender, if I don't get to the far post, no. um, we, we don't go to a World Cup. Um, and I think we found out through some of the players, some players disappeared, when the pressure was on, when we needed them. And I guess I don't blame them for that because they've never been put in that position before. So we need yeah. to find a way to replicate that. And we can't, that, that's, you know what, how, how do we replicate? If you've got answers, please tell me. We're still trying to find ways to, <laughs> to do that. Look, we, we have noticed that New Zealand improved so much in the last few years. And I was about to say that, uh, would New Zealand be the, the second best nation, right? The second most powerful nation right now above New Caledonia or... Uh, consider New Zealand being the second strongest nation at the moment? Um, other than thinking we're, we are the strongest, but I appreciate your, your question. Um, I would say that the cool thing about Oceania is that I would say currently between New Cali, Tahiti, New Zealand, Solomons, any team can beat any team there on the day. Um, on and the then day, you yeah. throw it 
on a, a Vanuatu even on their day, they can beat um, players. And I guess it's, it's been consistency um, that gets you to these events. And we've actually lacked that consistency over the years. It was This was the first time we played good games um, throughout. And I guess there's also something that we find frustrating, I find frustrating is the Solomons have now built this this empire, right? This this prestige around it's the Solomon yeah. Islands. They're, they always go to the World Cup. They're the they're the the golden generation. They're and they're brilliant players. Don't get me wrong, but that can get into people's heads, and it it doesn't need to. Um, and so that I hope they play off that because they must see that um, what we find. And this is if you if you watch the games. We'll play uh, whoever it might be, a New Caledonia or a, a Tahiti, and they'll press us. So we'll get pressed and we'll have to, to do things. But any, if a team plays the Solomon Islands, they all sit back. And I'm going, man, go, go press them. We're getting yeah, tired over here. It's the respect that you earned over the years. They, they have worked Exactly, right? Oh, yeah, and the, and the fact that they've done that. So there's there's some cool things that have happened, and there's it's a big. I think I think it's a big rivalry. They might not even think it's a rivalry. I don't know, um, but it's it's certainly something where it's it'll be cool now that I'm not playing, and I can sort of look back on it all and actually talk to these guys because I've never really talked to them. Because to be honest, when I go on that court, I'm not there to make friends or I'm not there to do anything. I'm there to try and win games. Um, and that can flow into what happens off the court. Not most of the time, I'm okay, but it's um, but leading we by know, example. Yeah. I'm not here. It, to be it's free. very hard yeah. to it's very hard to not take things out of the court, but it sometimes <laughs> happens. Yeah, that's it. But they, they're all they're all good guys, and and obviously we wish them well. But they represent Oceania, and I think they they've done a good job. Um, but and look, reckon... rivalry rivalry is important for the game. Rivalry needs to happen for now. Next, the next uh, qualifies the next OFC. I'm excited to watch you guys against Solomon Islands, for example. Yeah, I think I think it should be on the calendar for um, international viewers. But it's, I think, I think we can help each other though. I think if we were playing the Solomons more often and they were playing us more often, I think our style might be similar to how other countries play around the world when they do get to events. I think we'll both get better as countries. Um, and we'll win some and we'll lose some along the way. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's I guess it takes. So I'll have to get on the messenger to to Vinny and go. Come on, mate, let's let's get a few games. Let's get a few games in here. Look, I'm not I'm not sure if you would accept. We interviewed Vinny. Vinny was one of the first Futsal yeah. in Australia podcast. He actually mentioned that New Zealand is improving and the battle is between you two at the moment. Uh, look, Alamoala uh, has a massive following. They follow futsal. The whole country follows futsal. So yeah. when they go to the World Cup, I'm happy that they go to the World Cup. But at the same time, if you guys go to the World Cup, I'll always be, I'll be happy because uh, futsal would grow in New Zealand. Uh, Marvin, New Zealand was was uh, was trying to be one of the hosts of the last futsal World Cup. You work for the federation. Were you involved in that in that process? Uh, not. Um, not directly, but was pretty well aware um, of that. We have a, a key person, Dave Payne, who was driving futsal sort of from 2010 onwards in New Zealand football when he was leading that yeah. that project and put together. I think it's available for anyone to see. We were always pretty transparent. There's a pretty yeah. impressive document. Um, and we were pretty disappointed not to get it. Um, but we, we understand how some of the reasons why that might have been. And now looking at what happened with the world that we live in now, I think it would have been, and how New Zealand's approach to to dealing with 
the pandemic, I think it would have been very hard to see her us hosting it, which would have been a bigger shame for the game because the game is the most important thing. Um, the automatic qualification would have been nice, but I think it's going to taste a bit sweeter when we actually we earn that one um, yeah. directly. Um, but do, I think. Do you know if uh, New Zealand tried to host again the next World Cup? If they're going to try to beat for the World Cup again? I'm Have not sure anything, if we will... anything they can review. I don't think uh, anyone's putting in the work for the next one, but I wouldn't. I think New Zealand's in a good position to host, host future events like um, other events. There's a World Cup. I mean, a, a women's World Cup. There would be even the university um, games, I think, is a really cool tournament um, yeah. that I, I don't know if you, you've seen much of that, but I think I that's have, yeah. a really impressive. Yeah, I think that without that, so we've been fortunate to go to that, and it's a direct entry so far and you're playing against national team professional players um the kazakhstan team we played against when we were um in kazakhstan for the last world uni I game think russia beat but, brazil in the, in the last one in the grand final didn't they yeah yeah so it's it's been awesome to see how many of those players then go to a world cup so i think it's an important pathway but that's a user pays again to get yourself over so i think new zealand will be a good host country it just takes as you know someone to really really drive it um and Maybe after we've got the Women's World Cup in 2023 with obviously with with Australia, um, yeah. that might lay the groundwork for something in the future, whether if it's not just New Zealand, if it's New Zealand, Australia or whatever that might be. I think the benefits to both countries would be huge to having a World Cup in this part of the world. And I guess the challenge to FIFA is if you want to grow the game globally, it's a World Cup, you've got to, you've got to share this World Cup. It can't just always be in, yeah. in, um, in the countries that it's, been in at the moment um, because the the support would be awesome. I think in New Zealand, uh, if you if one of the other island teams made made the uh, World Cup as well, like the local support, there's a lot of in New Zealand. There's a lot of um, different cultures here. It'll be pretty cool to see how it goes. When Malaysia came over uh, to play us in some games, the local support of the Malaysian people was unbelievable. So it's um, so I think uh, that'll be a cool part. I, I just get that there's some things with viewing times and there's always challenges, but ah, give us of a little cup and we'll, is, yeah. we'll do it. But uh, uh, Marvin, between you and I, I, I think because for the last World Cup, the options were Iran, Japan, New Zealand, and Lithuania, the last four. I'm pretty sure they were the last four. And then they picked Lithuania. For me, it was the biggest surprise. Uh, any of the other three nations would have been an amazing World Cup. It was an amazing World Cup, indeed. Yeah. But I can't say it wasn't. But really, imagine a World Cup in Iran, a World Cup in Japan, even uh, what what World Cup could do for New Zealand. It's uh, it's a little bit disappointing that it went to Lithuania. But anyway, that's not what we can change for the not, not much we can change about the past. Marvin, who are the young players uh, coming through in New Zealand that we should keep an eye on? Uh, so yes, uh, I'm really excited to see this next crop crop of players. So. What you'll see now is when you watch any youth futsal, you're going to see some really talented futsal players. And, and I guess the hard part is keeping them in the game. But at the moment, um, there's a few players that are involved with the national team um, squad. And, and you've mentioned um, Hamish Gray, who's obviously over in um, Spain at the moment, um, yeah. playing his trade. Um, Adam Polson is still in New Zealand working uh, really, really hard. We've got um, Casey Sharplin, who's in, in Hamilton, who's a, an exciting um, player that, that, that's coming through. Um, and that's being harsh to the, the players that are 20 years old and we're not calling them young anymore because the national team is a, 
you, you flick me off the end and the, the age drops dramatically around how old the, the national team is and that's, that's the exciting part with this. But I, for us, I really hope a Hamish does well or, or someone can get over and um, impress and show that there is a pathway and an opportunity yeah. to make a career and also to bring back the knowledge to New Zealand and help me learn more about the game and um, just, yeah, any, any exposure for New Zealand players overseas, I think is important. Uh, and we haven't had that. I've listened. I know that a lot of the Solomons players have gone overseas. Tahitian players have had experience overseas. Yeah. I know lots of, uh, in the early days, lots of the Australian players went overseas. Uh, we haven't had, we've had a couple do it, um, but not enough to to really build their knowledge of the game and challenge the ones that, that are back here. So I think it's, I think when you said what will it take to come back to your other question for uh, New Zealand to get to a World Cup, I think the the foundations are already there regardless of who's um, steering the ship because these younger players are consistently coming through. So now yeah. the next three, two, three, four years as they get a year older and if they keep playing the game, they're going to be impressive and I hope I'm still around to, to help guide them if I, if I get that opportunity because they're, um, they're, yeah, they're going to be exciting to watch we just have to give them the opportunity and the exposure to the, the high pressure situations yeah 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 most of the names you you mentioned i i actually have heard of them i have watched hamish uh, jake uh, adam i have watched adam they they are very skillful and talented players but you're right the experience might be something that they still lacking the older blokes might have on uh, an advantage over them uh marvel what's next for the national team what's uh what's the next calendar um, so we've had to cancel a few things this year. We're, we're normally in training and, and having camps. Um, we're hoping to have a camp in December, but unlikely. Um, I think the next thing in the calendar is the OFC um, Championships, which will be, I think it's in July or August uh, next year. Um, so I'm really hoping that goes ahead and we can get all the, the countries back together and get some games in. I've heard whispers about something in, in the Solomon, so I'll, I'll follow. I'll pull that string and see where <laughs> where that leads to. Um, I, I'm loving that rivalry. I can't wait. <laughs> um, and then, but yeah, I think that's it. We 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 always plan to do some international activity every year uh, for the national for the men's team and for the women's team because we think it's important not just for those players but also uh, for the for the game in general to for kids to see um, these players. But I guess the scary thing is we might get to the next qualifiers in uh, 2023 and not have played any more international games. And that would be a real shame um, for how that affects the, the current crop of players that, that want to be a part yeah. of that um, and the quality of that event, I guess. Um, so we're, we're still going, mate. Coming to Australia for a tournament, is something that could be possible for the All Whites? Yeah, so we, again, if we can get the Australian team back up and running, I think that would be really cool. I, th I do know that there's some very, very strong club sides. And before the 2016 um, qualifiers, we stayed in Sydney uh, for a week and got some friendlies organised by Scott um, there, which was really, really helpful. Um, but the other, I always, with my coaching, I always link it back to what are we going to be playing against? And we're going to be playing against these, these island nations, which play a certain unique um, expressive and um, style of futsal that we can't, it's hard to prepare um, against when you're playing organised, um, you can see how a team's yeah. going to play, but you've got to, yeah, it makes it, 
it makes it a real challenge. But Australia is out. We want them to have a women's team, get the men's team back up and running, and we will play, like, it'll be almost guaranteed we'll play Australia three games a year um, if yeah. they can do that again. And I think it'll help. Um, I know Australia, when they're together, is a, is a really strong team, but um, I think they still need games, and we're easy to, to organise that. So I think there's benefits um, to yeah, rebuilding sure, yeah. that connection. Um, so hopefully, it seems like things are turning a corner in Australia. Hopefully, and um, we can we can get that national team uh, back up and running. So some of these guys still get to play; they don't have to retire and not playing again. <laughs> well, look, uh, fingers crossed it happens. Fingers crossed Australia brings back the national team. Uh, before we go, we, we're still gonna play. We have a game to play. Then we're gonna play. But before we play, Marv, I want to congratulate you and everyone in New Zealand because. I know that it's, it's, for you guys that there seems it's low the process. Uh, my seem is low, but for us, yeah, we can see that there is things happening, and there is a there is a support. We we feel that there is a support from the federation. That there is there is things in place for the for the sport to grow, and that's that's something good that other nations should try to copy as well and learn from you guys. Uh, I could be wrong, but let's just leave like that, okay, Marvin. We're gonna play this game that we play with every guest. It's called the rapid fire questions. Okay, uh, just letting you know that you have 40 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. Uh, it's if you want to skip, you can, but you lose a point if you skip, so it's not worth it skipping a question. The current record is is sharing between three guys: Vinicius Lake from Salamoy. Don't say Vinny. Don't say Vinny. So he's a rival. They wanna see if you, if you can beat him. Uh, Jordan <laughs> Guerrero from, from New South Wales and Peter Parton was from Victoria. So they're all three Australians right now. Let's see if you can beat the Salomon Islands, okay? Uh, <laughs> when you're ready, let, let me just get my time watch ready as well. Just give me one second, 40 seconds. All right. So look, little tip, don't think too much. Just get the answer going. Nothing's going to compromise you. There's no nothing, no bad questions, okay? Uh, when you're ready, we, we, we can we can start. Sounds good. All right, so let's start in three seconds, okay? Three, two, one. One coach that you look up to? Uh, Scott Gilligan. Best futsal team around the world? Futsal team? Um, Portugal. Who would you pick, Ferro or Ricardinho? Uh, Falcao. Favorite teammate during your playing career? Uh, Lucas Silva. Favorite futsal shoe brain? Uh, Joma. Most favorite, most competitive futsal league in the world? Uh, the Brazilian league. Best holiday destination in New Zealand? Uh, you would go to Coromandel. Match reviews after the game or at the next training session? Uh, after the game. After the game. Look, you just go eight. You lost to Salamoil again. I'm sorry for that. There's nothing ah, that, was, that, okay? that sounded rigged, Andre. That sounded rigged. But look, eight, eight chances is pretty good. You did a good effort. Uh, I, 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 I want to ask you the last five just quickly. Okay. So do you prefer magnets or markers on your coaching board? Magnets. Best player you have ever played against? Uh, Shingo Ina. So, where is he from? Uh, so he's a Japanese player that plays in New Zealand. Nice. Uh, very the most technical player I've ever seen. Can you give him a New Zealand passport? <laughs> uh, he would love it. He would love it. 
<laughs> Let's help him. Uh, yes or no, can you speak another language? No. Name one futsal rules player. So let's name three, please. <laughs> what, current ones? Or they're, they're no longer existing? Um, oh, there's, there's enjoyed, no current. Well, I enjoy, well, let's just name some I enjoyed then. So um, I thought Ant, Big Ange and Goal was, um, I don't think we scored against them for about three or four games. Mm, nice. Um, got to appreciate the, the fixos with Sito. Um, um, and Fogarty was, yeah, he was a nightmare when he was on fire. He was hard to play against. Yeah. And uh, your favorite futsal position to play? Fixer. Fixer. So that's it. That would have been the 13 questions. You needed to answer 12 to win. It's not easy. The guys did a good job to get 11 <laughs> answers. Yeah. Uh, just a few moments that you were not on the ball, man. Come on. Uh, I know, I know. I was, I was player coaching out there, right? I was player coaching. Yeah. Overthinking. Uh, Marvin, I thank you so much for, for joining in. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I've heard of you so many times and I never had the pleasure of talking to you. And uh, I thank you for, for joining. No, I appreciate it, Andre. And um, keep it up and we'll uh, I'll keep an eye out for more of your stuff. Sounds very good. Uh, wish you guys best of luck in New Zealand. Just uh, before we go, the next podcast is on Sunday with Pro Futsal CEO Elder Ibrahims and Football West Business Development Manager Alex Novatsizis. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and see you guys next time.